Hi, I'm Maeve Doyle, and you're listening to A Private View. I'm here at Maddox Gallery on Barclay Street with Russell Young, who's presenting Dreamland tonight. Hi, Russell. How are you? I'm wonderful. Great to be in London. Great yeah, I... to be in Mayfair. Uh, tell me about this series. I think it's... it's... Dream, Dreamland, um, I guess. I grew up in northern England, and, and this whole exhibition is about my dreams, which is Bardo, Hendrix, Jagger... Marilyn Monroe. Bowie. Bowie, yes. Bowie, Muhammad Ali, Elvis. These are all my sort of... It was my escapism in northern England when I was growing up as a kid, the 60s, 70s. And this was the light that, that um, didn't shine on northern England. And it's also a way for you to make a personal history, I guess. Yes, so I was adopted. I was born a bastard on Friday the 13th of March to a 14-year-old unwed mother. It had to be a rainy day in Yorkshire. So I have one blood relative, uh, my eldest son. I'm adopted, my two youngest children are adopted. And so Taylor Garcia Dickinson, who's a close, close friend. Um, she worked at the Hopper Foundation. Yeah, she was the head of the Dennis Hopper Art Trust. Um, we sat in Martha, Texas over her dining table for about a week drinking red wine, and she wrote this very short essay, and it surprised me, because she surmised that all of these characters come into my life and in my history, because I have no personal history. I do not know, I mean, I, my parents were wonderful, my parents who adopted me about six or seven months old, but I have no personal history to fill up, right? Everybody has grandfathers or they go searching for this, that and the other. I can't. Completely it, makes sense to me. When I read what she wrote, it completely made sense to me. It is often those without history who find their history within the movies. Yes, yeah, so, so that's what I did. And, and it was escapism from Northern England as well. These are the movies my father and I watched. Um, right now we're looking at Coco Chanel, well, Marilyn with a bottle of Chanel. I saw this, uh, the image from Life magazine of this piece at the V&A at the Chanel collection, and it was the wonderful question of asking Marilyn what she wore to bed, and she said, Chanel. Yes. You've immortalized it beautifully. Yes, I mean, these, these small Marilyn Chanels are absolutely gorgeous. The backgrounds are hand-painted. I sourced the world for, for pigments. I worked with this wonderful old man in Florence who has a basement full of pigments from plants that don't exist anymore. So I'm able to mix colors that nobody else can mix. Um, I mix the pigments and in my California studio where the light is absolutely perfect. And you name the colors uh, in a way that's relevant to the subject, so they're, yeah. they're sort of autobiographical. They, they are. So the, the Cape Moss we're seeing here with the Harrods teddy bear, um, that I believe is love blue. Um, there is a Melrose pink, there's a Hunter green, a Cairo aquamarine. These are all, well Cape Moss was born in Croydon, and these are all street names in Croydon. Um, I play with it. The Muhammad Ali is a Smoketown black and white. Smoketown is the neighborhood of the first gym that Muhammad Ali trained in, which is in Louisville, Kentucky. So what inspires you in terms of who inspires you, what work inspires you, what motivates you? You're clearly prolific, and I know you personally, so I know you work all the time. What does motivate you and I'm, inspire I'm you? I'm relentless. I don't, I, I don't know. I think coming from 
absolutely nothing, growing up in Northern England, wanting to escape Northern England, really, just because of the weather. The weather was enough. Um, Aubrey, my fiance, was in Northern England with me for three days, and this morning she said to me, it was sunny, but I couldn't wait to get out of there. Um, she said, I felt trapped. And we were in a nice place. Yeah, we, were, we, were in, we were in the Cheshire. nicest place in yeah. Cheshire, and, you know, whatever. And I mean, I, 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 you know, my mother and brother still live there. And I, you know, I know every street up there. I knew all the streets and the little town, Nutsford, we were in. But she just felt suffocated there. And, and that's how I did from a very early age. I felt suffocated. So these, these are escapism. This so is, music would have inspired you? Bowie would have inspired yeah, you? I mean, People who did the journey before I, I, you? My father ran a whole load of youth clubs and things like that and he took me to see with the youth club um, at the age of probably 11 to see David Bowie uh, in 1972 You're kidding. at the top rank in Liverpool. Um, Good dad. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, you know, Hendrix apparently... Right, this is the new well, police to the show. I, I is this Triple Hendrix. I, 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 apparently he took me to the Isle of Wight Festival, although I have no recollection of that. Yeah. Um, it was like at Live Aid. Um, I didn't, I'd forgotten I'd been to Live Aid, right? I'd gone to see David Bowie, I remembered. And when I saw the Queen film, I went, oh, I was there. I remember that, right? So, yeah. you know, it was... Um, Hazy memory from the past. There's also something in terms, when we're talking about culture, there's something of a dark side to a lot of these celebrities. I know Marilyn was obviously beautiful and a sex symbol of the 60s and 50s, but we know that she suffered from mental health issues, that her love life was difficult. The paradox of that fame and shame thing that you talk about is endlessly interesting. So, so I, I do like the counterculture. I do like the underbelly of America. I, I do like a darker side as well as this incredibly um, glamorous side. The Marilyn crying would be a perfect example. Um, I've taken a very small section, maybe 5% of a photograph that was Marilyn coming out of um, a divorce co court. She just divorced from Joe DiMaggio. There are paparazzi, there's people, there's a lawyer next to her, there's a car behind her and I focused in on this very beautiful, gentle moment where she's got her hand over her eye, and I call that Marilyn crying. I mean, it's both, it's, it's both sad and haunting and stunning and sultry and beautiful at the same time. She, she and Bardot and Audrey Hepburn, all my females, I, you know, in a sense, they're femme fatales. Oh, and um, God created women. And God, yeah, and God created women. I mean, all of them, film. all of them. You know, even Elizabeth Taylor, you know, with, um, with AIDS, HIV, Bardo with her animal things. The Bridget Bardo Foundation for Animals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Audrey Hepburn, UNICEF, and then Marilyn, yeah. I believe, was the first female to have her own production company. I think you're right. And she was just pissed about being ripped off and not being paid enough and not having any say. And also not being seen as anything as an object of desire that men, like she was talented. Yes, she was. Let's go down to Mick talented. Jagger, this wonderful Mick Jagger from the 60s and in a coat that he could wear in the north of England. Yes. <laughs> now, I know he inspires you also because it's, it's great music, great rock music, but he also deals with issues that are quite heavy. I mean, Sympathy for the Devil is a song that is part of the soundtrack of your life. Yes, yes, I am. I, I, I am the Sympathy for the Devil. Um, so, Jagger and the Stones. My mum used to play the Beatles. My dad played the Stones. 
my parents bought me a record player, but no records. Um, a year later, my aunt bought... They wouldn't let me play the records because they thought I would scratch them at the age of whatever. Oh, I remember all you know, of that, yeah. I was younger than 10. But then my aunt bought me Purple Haze by Hendrix. And my parents wished they never had. She had never had. I put it on full volume for weeks. Um, loved it. Um, the Jagger, my, my dad would play the Stones. And I was drawn more to the Stones than the Beatles. Loved the Beatles. But, you know, it was really the Stones that got me. I, sort of an overlying or underlying theme as well is, you know, I deal with American counterculture, I deal with America, I deal with American icons, and it's strange that a British act sort of, in a sense, sent America on a downward spiral, because we had had, in 1969, Woodstock, love and peace and all this optimism, man had landed on the moon, America could do no wrong. It's true. Later that year, the Stones play Ultimate, the Hells Angels are the security guards, and the Hells Angels kill Meredith Hunter. Something about bad LSD, too, yeah, wasn't it? They, with, with Paul Hughes to under, the, you know, under the strains of under my thumb. Um, and that, in a sense, was the souring of the American dream. And I find that fascinating, that this, this downward spiral, the, the American dream still exists for some, but it's, it, I think it's getting harder to find. I mean, I was very lucky and I wanted to find that American dream. You got there in the 90s. Um, yes, early 90s. And, you know, what's wonderful about America? So, so I built a house. I designed it. I built it. I was the general contractor. I wanted a vineyard. I planted a vineyard. I wanted bees. The next morning, there's this mad Italian outside my house. And that's what I hoped America would be for me that if you ask and you have an idea and you want to do something, it can happen and it really can. So that, that optimism is still there. Um, I guess I left London um, because it just, every, every turn, every turn it was a roadblock, a roadblock, a roadblock. So London's a very different place than it was 30 years ago. Um, but there's still this um, underlying theme of jealousy. I was gonna ask you, how your practice evolved over time, but I can tell part of the story because you started as a photographer, you assisted Christos, who was Christos in fashion, yeah. and then you became a rock photographer. I did. The, and that was a, so, so I, I bring this up because you know a good photograph, but also you would have spent a lot of time studying celebrity. Yes, I mean, I, in a sense, you know, so I, shot George Michael's Faith album sleeve. I worked with Bob Dylan, I worked with Springsteen, Bjork, Diana Ross. Diana Ross wanted me to photograph her, so she only had a you know, few hours in a recording studio, and she sang a love, love song to me whilst I sat there and click, clicked, clicked away. It's um, hard because you have to make them feel comfortable, yeah. and you have, to make, you have to be invisible, and you have to make sure you get nice pictures of them. And, you know, I mean, George, was incredibly generous to me. I mean, he held my hand. George Michael. Yeah, he walked up to the Golden Gates, he opened them and he led me through and, you know, I mean. If anyone needs to know, that's a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm sure he'll be waiting for you on the other side. Yes, he will, he will. Yeah. Great picture of Kate no, Moss. I, I'm, going, I'm going downstairs, he's, he's upstairs. <laughs> so Kate Moss. Um, just also a collector of your work. Yes, Kate Moss has a, a couple of paintings, Bardo does as well, and um, 
some wonderful collectors, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Elizabeth Taylor, A.B. Rosen, the McGrabies, the list goes on and on oh, and the on. Kadari or the... K- K- Kardashians, the Kardashians yep. actually fight over my paintings. Yeah. It's actually been on the Kardashians, them fighting, so... I think I've been sent clips of your painting in the back of a Kardashian um, fight. Yeah. Um, Is there a different hit with male and female icons? Do you feel... Is there any sort of difference in the way you approach them? No, no, I don't think so. No, no. I mean, the, the Magnificent Seven that we have here, they're, they're these five very masculine men who are charging towards the camera. It's, it's, it's great from the energy. movie. Yeah. And there's like your Brenner in the center, there's Steve McQueen, Elia Kirakin. And I mean, it, it's just this dust, this, it's a very masculine painting and you just faintly see the mountain range in the background. Um, there's James Dean, there's Muhammad Ali. My father and I would watch every Muhammad Ali fight. So, you know, it, in a sense, as, as I said with Taylor Garcia Dickinson, it's, you know, it's, these are the shelves that were empty and I'm filling them. Just speaking again about your practice, there's something about the way light moves over the canvas that means the painting looks different at different times of the day, and I've seen your work in different countries and it looks different too. Uh, it certainly looks amazing in this space. It's um, the, the pigments that, that I use, and then it's obviously the diamond dust and the different scales and ways I cut the diamond dust, but the Maddox Gallery in Mayfair is, is probably the most beautiful space my paintings have ever hung. Um, Over three floors. <sighs> They just, when we came up this morning and we we had curated the show yesterday and then we came up this morning and it had all been lit and it just is singing. I mean, it's like the best church choir ever. It's just just magnificent. Watch out if you have synesthesia, you're going to trip out. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, they, they have put incredible detail into the lighting to the color of the wall, which is just an off-white. It's not that horrible bright white where you actually can't see the painting. It's, it's not cream, but it's just, just killed down a little bit. I mean, I, I, I could not be happier with Maddox Gallery and, and the space in Mayfair. What's art for, Russell? Oh, you've got to enjoy it. You've got to love it. I mean, the art I have on my walls at home, just, I wake up in the morning, I come out and I smile. I do just smile. I've got one of my very large paintings of a Hell's Angel, which is probably 10 feet by 8 feet on my wall, and he's on a motorbike leaning back. I got the rights to the first um, photographs they ever taken of Hell's Angels. And, and to me, it's just a sense of freedom. So I wake up every day and it inspires me. Um, I have one of my Diamond Dust paintings in my office, which is, which is in my house, and I can see it down a long corridor, and it just draws me in there, and you know, depending on the time of day, the way the light bounces, and I live right by the ocean, so we get this beautiful light coming off the ocean, but in the winter, it's down low, in the summer, it's up high, so all year long, it, it, it changes, it changes. And then I have a small Oscar Murillo abstract painting, which, that, that makes me smile every morning. I was gonna say, if you could have one painting any, anything in the world that you could live with, and money isn't a deciding factor, what would it be? And not just painting, one artwork. It would be a Joan Mitchell. Yeah, that was great. Did you see the show of the Louis Vuitton Foundation? No, no, I didn't. I didn't go to that, but I mean, there, there's, or an Oscar, or a big Oscar Murillo, not a small Oscar Murillo, if I could be greedy. 
And I guess, no, I actually guessed Jackson Pollock. Let me, I, I, so I could These go are on. all abstract go. painters for anyone who's listening, which is just wild to hear. Well, three it's, years old, I'm on the ground. My aunts bought me these huge sheets of beautiful paper and these charcoal and graphite things, and it's Christmas, and my aunt's got all these trees in, you know, my posh aunt in, in the Wirral in northern England, and... Um, this beautiful forest and I'm drawing these scary trees and going around and it became abstract. I have created abstract paintings since the age of three and I was in my studio three weeks ago creating abstract paintings. Well, I was just gonna ask you what's next for Russell Young. I am working on a similar theme to my Helter Skelter paintings. Um, Helter Skelter paintings are up on my website, russellyoung.com and on Instagram at bankrobbercalifornia. Um, you click on the image and you'll go into this like almost Hieronymus Bosch-like world of abstract paintings. I'm always doing abstract paintings. Um, I'm working on circular paintings at the moment, 60 inches wide, and it's all my studio refuse from the last 25 years. I hike up into the mountains, go for uh, 24 hours on the full moons, and I pick up just all this tarpaulins and pieces of plastic, and I put those into the paintings, so I'm doing abstract paintings at the moment. I think I remember some of your color experiments with rust and train tracks. Yeah, and then I'm looking, I'm looking through my archives as a photographer, which I didn't think I would do in my lifetime. I thought that would be left to others. Um, it's an untouched collection. Um, From when you were a rock photographer. Yeah, yeah, so it's, you know, all the George Michael and Bruce Springsteen stuff, as I mentioned before, and it's only ever been seen on a magazine cover on a record sleeve. It's no, not one image has ever been licensed or sold or exhibited. Oh, wow. So I have 15 years, I mean, tens of thousands of negatives. So I think that might be a really rich vein to Yeah, I'd look like at. to see what you have and, from and those days. In a sense, the 90s revival again. Yeah, in a sense, time has edited the collection, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, I think there was a band called The Lemon Drops, and I took phenomenal pictures of them. But nobody knows now who The Lemon Drops are. But I took some wonderful pictures of the Orc and the Sugar Cube, so those will probably make the, the collection. It's, it's interesting how time edits. And then it becomes a life that you started as escapism has become the life that you have, which is also quite marvelous. <laughs> Anything I haven't asked you that you want to talk about? Um, no, thank you, Maeve. Russell thank Young, always a pleasure. Thank you for being Until next friend. time. You've been listening to Maeve Doyle's Private View. This podcast is produced by Will Fitzpatrick at Soho Radio. The music is by Korshid Homi. Thank you for listening.